Hello and welcome to Master My Garden podcast, the podcast that helps you master your own garden with useful tips, advice and know-how as you go on the way and journey of mastering your own garden. I'm your host John Jones and it's a pleasure to be with you here today. So let's get stuck in to this week's episode. Hello everybody and welcome to episode number 5 of Master My Garden podcast with the title How to Have the Perfect Lawn. I've been asked a lot of questions over the last few weeks, uh, questions such as how do I get moss out of the lawn, how do I thicken the grass, how do I get rid of the weeds, my lawn is wet, um, I want to try and get the ga- grass to grow or we can't grow shrubs or flowers in the garden and what can we do with that. So in today's episode, we're going to look at all these questions. We're going to come up with the answers. But the way we're going to do is we're going to start off, firstly, by talking about what type of lawn we have. And secondly, we'll talk about how we can maintain a perfect lawn so that we don't get these problems in the first place. Then we will lead into how we deal with those problems if it's a case that we've already got them. And then we'll finish with how we deal with a chronically wet or waterlogged lawn and what we can do to try and solve those issues. So as I said, we're going to start by trying to find out what type of lawn we actually have. Now, there's a great set of gardening books uh, called The Expert Books, written by Dr. G.J. Hessian. I'm sure many of you have heard of those books, and I suppose the reason I mention it in a podcast about lawns is there's a very good one called The Lawn Expert. And in The Lawn Expert, um, the author has a sort of a roadmap. As you start on this roadmap, or the step map, it allows you to recognize what type of lawn you actually have. Now, this is a very good thing to do because it allows you to accurately see what it is we're actually dealing with. And he divides up the lawn into three types, essentially. So there's the worst one that you can have, which is a worn out lawn, which essentially means that the lawn is finished and it needs to be totally reseeded. The second rate rate lawn, um, which is a reasonable lawn with just some issues which can be remedied. And then the third one that he has in it is a first rate lawn. So when you're thinking of first rate lawn, just think bowling green or Wimbledon tennis court. The first rate one's broken down into two types. That's the first rate uh, luxury and first rate utility. Now for the purposes of this podcast, we'll just keep it simple. We'll keep it to three. Um, so the three types that we, we will be talking about are worn out, which being, means we're going to re- reseed the complete area. Second rate, which is a reasonable lawn, which has some issues that need to be re- uh, remedied. And then first rate. So in Ireland and the UK particularly, the majority of the lawns fall under the second rate category. So if you've done the map and uh, you end up with a second rate lawn uh, or with the with a little map telling you that you have a second-rate lawn, don't be offended. Um, As I say, most people have a second-rate lawn in Ireland and the UK. And essentially what that means is that the lawn itself is in fundamentally good condition, but it just needs a little bit of TLC. Uh, So it might have some minor moss issues, weed issues, or other things like that. So it's a good lawn that just needs a little bit of care and attention. So lawns generally need care and attention every year. Uh, just as I've said in previous episodes of Master My Garden podcast, healthy plants 
are less susceptible to pests and diseases and the same is true for lawns so if you do a couple of jobs on a yearly basis and consistently do that then your lawn will look well and it will suffer less from the major lawn problems that people get and those problems generally speaking Ireland and the UK must be the nearly the worst one uh, weeds been the second second worst one uh, bad colouring such as brown patches etc and all of those things if you if you set up a sort of a maintenance uh, plan and do some basic measures on your lawn on a yearly basis then those issues won't come to the fore and you'll have a healthy looking lawn that looks for most people's eyes a first rate lawn so let's look at the important steps to maintain existing lawns so that we don't get any issues going forward now one of the biggest issues that i see um, you see it as you as you drive around you see it as you call to people's houses one of the biggest issues is that people cut the lawns too short for the type of grass they have now obviously when you cut your grass the tighter you cut it um, the tidier it looks and i suppose it just looks that little bit more sharper when when you cut it real tight the problem with that though is that when you cut um, a standard you know utility lawn to that sort of depth eventually what happens is moss takes over you're, you're weakening the grass every time because the grass that's in those mixes is just not suitable for that tight of a cut uh, generally you'll see people cutting it down to you know like half an inch deep or half an inch high and that sort of that sort of height is really only suitable for golf greens bowling greens um, tennis courts as i said it, the real top end purpose purpose uh, lawns and when you're talking utility lawns that that are generally in people's homes the correct height that you need to cut them at, at is about one one and a quarter to one and a half inches or three to three and a half centimeters approximately now most of the lawnmowers that you get they have um, obviously settings on them and i don't think they're uniform and i'm not sure that they they tell you exactly what height you're cutting at there is settings one two three four five etc but they're not necessarily linked to any um to any scale so what you need to do is take out your mower set it to a certain height do a little small strip and then just check literally get a ruler or a tape and check that you're cutting roughly speaking as i said to one and a quarter to one and a half inches and that's for the majority of lawns what happens then is, as I say, if you cut it at that height, it's it's the correct height, um, the lawn itself gets to thicken a little bit, and when it thickens, it leaves less space for moss and weeds to come into it. So that's that's really a critical point. Um, one of the biggest issues is, is people cutting it too low. Another important point to make sure is that your lawnmower is sharp. So what happens when, you, when your lawnmower is not sharp is that you end up, um, you can drag the grass a little bit rather than cutting it cleanly. You can also get frayed edges on the top of it. And all of those things make, make the lawn, uh, make each stem or leaf of the lawn brown up a little bit. Which over time again can weaken it and means that it leaves space for weeds to come in. So whether it's a case that you sharpen the lawnmower yourself or whether you get it done during its annual service whatever the case may be just make sure that your lawnmower is sharp when you're going out to cut your grass 
The next thing then is when we're mowing, and I do it myself, you get used to traveling in a certain direction and you really have to kind of watch it and try and change it every, well, ideally every second time you cut in a different direction. Because what happens is as you cut, the grass starts to lean in the direction that you're cutting. So what you need to do is you need to, the next time you go out, you need to cut back against that. So you end up with your grass kept at that 1.25 to 1.5 inches in height. And that's hugely important. As I say, cut at the correct height. That's point number one. The second thing that we kind of need to do on a regular basis is a combination of aeration and scarifying. Now we'll explain what both of these are and we'll, we'll tell you the benefits of them. So aeration essentially is the process of spiking or piercing the lawn. Now this can be done very, very simply by getting a garden fork and sticking it into the, into the sod, um, going down as deep as you possibly can, but three to four inches is, is what you're looking for mostly. Now there's lots of ways of doing this. As I say, you can do this with a garden fork. There is purpose tools for it called uh, things like a hollow tine aerator. Um, you can buy shoes that you basically strap on to your existing shoes. They're like a, a little plastic, a little plastic shoe with straps on it, and then underneath there's little spikes which look like a, a nail sticking out, um, about an inch and a half to two inches long, and they're used for for spiking or aerating as well. Um, some higher centers then as well they would have mechanical versions. So if you're needing to do, you know, quite a bit better job, there is petrol or, or diesel versions that you can hire out for the day uh, and that's a very good way of doing it. The reason we aerate, um, there's a, a number of reasons really. So the first reason is that it gets air down to the root zone. Now getting air into the root zone is critical for healthy root growth and of course healthy root growth then leads to a healthy lawn. So we're trying to get that oxygen levels down into the top few inches of the ground it also releases carbon dioxide out of the out of the sod, which is not needed down there. The other thing that it does, it allows water to percolate away a little bit easier. So especially during wet times, it allows it to get down through that top of a couple of inches of the ground, and then it prevents water logging. The next reason is that most lawns, whether you're mulching, you know, particularly if you're mulching, but also if you're if you're just cutting and and collecting. Most lawns over time build up um, a layer of dead matter in the top, more or less the top inch of topsoil. Um, as I said, this is more prevalent now if you mulch your grass. But what that does is, over time, as I say, it settles down, it goes into the top inch of topsoil, but over time it creates a film, um, a sort of humic layer, and moisture can get it quite hard to travel through that. So you can end up with the top of your lawn being quite spongy and wet. So when we aerate then, we break that layer of humic uh, or dead matter that's roughly speaking an inch down into the into the soil. Um, and that, that again, it breaks it up, it allows moisture to pass through it, allows oxygen to go down into the root zone. So that's a, it's a really important thing to do. So the time of year that we aerate is basically in September, October is the best time. Now we can do it at other times of year and we'll talk about that in a second. But the best time to do it is in September, October. Uh, that time of the year, we're going for a deep aeration. So we're piercing the ground down as deep as we possibly can, but certainly to a depth of three or four inches. And going into the winter, what that does is it allows that 
the water is able to percolate away uh, and you get less uh, build up or waterlogging during that period. You can also do it in spring and summer. Those tend to be more beneficial in the winter time, but spring and summer you would do it maybe not quite as deep. Uh, and again, it's hugely, hugely beneficial. So that's aeration. Really important to do it. Uh, and almost every lawn would need to need to have it done at some stage. The next part of, of this then is scarifying. So we said earlier, um, aerating and scarifying two hugely important practices. Scarifying essentially means it's the it's the purpose of or the process of heavily scratching the surface of the lawn. And the idea here is that it, it pulls out the dead grass, uh, which is known as thatch. So if you if you open up the, the lawn and look down onto the onto the sod, you'll see a lot of yellow kind of matted things of grass and they knit into one another and it becomes what's called a thatch. And that weakens the grass. So you end up with these kind of, as I say, matted areas between the between the actual stalks of grass and it, it weakens the grass itself. So what we're looking for here is we're looking to take out all that thatch uh, and we can do that again, we can do it in several ways. Uh, so there's lots of tools that we can use for doing it. So we could do it in a very simple way by getting a rake and heavily raking the soil. There is other ways of doing it, obviously. So a lot of, again, the higher centers, they would have mechanical versions of uh, of these. And essentially what they are is they're a series of little wire springs that, that spin around um, like a lawn sweeper, but with, with wire springs on them, essentially. And as you push that over the lawn, it scratches and scratches quite heavily on the surface and it flicks up all this thatch and pulls it away. Um, as we said already, what that means is that it takes out all that thatch and it leaves the lawn in a, in a position where it's able to grow and grow vigorously and fill in all those gaps. And then that leaves less space for your mosses and your weeds to get in. So it thickens the lawn and stops them from coming in. Timing wise, the best time to do this is in summer and early autumn and the soil you're looking for it to be a little bit on the drier side because if you do it at really wet times it can lead to you know too much of the actual grass getting pulled up as well so best time is summer and early autumn but again aeration and scarifying two hugely important tasks a lot of people don't do it they might do the scarifying if they have uh, an issue with moss but generally speaking people don't tend to do that but it's a hugely important part of keeping the lawn healthy. So at the third stage then of maintaining a, a perfect lawn. Um, so again, we're, we're remembering here, what we're trying to do is we're trying to give the guidelines, uh, the tips that people can do to make sure they, they maintain a healthy lawn and don't end up in a situation where they have problems. So feeding is, is an essential part of having a healthy lawn and having a very good quality lawn. And the type of food that we're looking to use here is we're looking to use a slow release food. So generally, if you went back a number of years ago, people were using, I suppose, agricultural fertilizer. Now, if you think about it, agricultural fertilizer, if used on the farm, people are looking for, or farmers are looking, looking for that to give a quick nitrogen boost. So a quick boost of growth in order to feed their livestock. But in a lawn situation, we're, we're looking for something a little bit different we're not looking for a big flush of growth. Okay, we're looking for good color, um, but we're looking for looking for more slow, steady, sustained growth. So what we're looking for now is we're looking for a good quality food. 
and most of the good quality ones now are slow release so that means that it feeds over three months so unlike the the agri type fertilizers where you put it out um, it's used by the plants very very quickly and then you get this big flush of growth but then once that growth is done and you've cut the lawn then essentially that fertilizer has gone out of soil so we're looking for slow fertilizer it will generally speak and feed for three months or 100 days you know approximately that's what you're looking for something along those and it will release nutrients in a con controlled way over that period of time and that leads to the sod thickening and the lawn growing in a more balanced way and that's exactly what we're looking for now thankfully there's a lot of really good options in fertilizers now um, you have technologies that are being used in the golf industry and sports turf industry and all that sort of thing and they're coming through now into the garden side and I suppose they're a lot better than, than ones of, of a number of years ago. So because of that, um, as I say, you're, you're seeing a lot of quality foods out there. So just make sure that you're picking one that is slow release and you know one that is a good quality. Now, if you have wheat grass or thin grass, then a really good option is to use a fertilizer which has mycorrhizal fungus added in. Um, and basically the function of this is that it strengthens the root zone and because it strengthens the root zone what you get is you get a, a kind of a thicker lawn afterwards again we've spoke about that before and it's hugely important but if you know that your lawn is thin um, if there isn't a huge covering of grass there well then mycorrhizal fungi is a very very good option there uh, you start feeding these good quality sp uh, spring and summer fertilizers in springtime when weather you know and the weather dries up enough for you to get out onto the lawn and the lawn starts actively growing so and you will use that basically from springtime whatever that is probably march time march or april and you're going to use that right through to september now remembering that if you're using slow release foods that you have a 90 day release on it so if you're if you're putting it out in early april but then you're going to get three months out of it and you're not going to need to put apply again until July probably. So two, two times during the growing actively growing season, and you should you should have enough. So just just watch whatever length it is that the release is, and you know record whenever you 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 apply it, and then reapply as the nutrients are expended. The next thing then, so we've we've used a good quality fertilizer through spring and summer. The next thing, and it's it's a very very neglected area, is autumn fooding or feeding. The majority of people don't use autumn food, uh, but it is hugely important. What happens basically at this stage of the year is that the fertilizer and the NPK of it changes. So at this time of the year, your autumn food specifically has high K, which is potash, and the high level of potash brings a couple of benefits. Firstly, uh, it helps roots, so better roots, uh, better roots coming into the winter time, means that you'll have a healthier lawn and come into the spring, the following spring, then it will grow with vigor. The second thing that it does, it hardens the actual grass itself. So within the cells of the plant, or the cells of the of the lawn, it it makes the cells harder, and then that allows it to, to carry through the bad weather, the winter, retain its color, retain its vigor. And then when it comes into the springtime, it's ready to grow again. So it really strengthens the lawn and prepares it for, you know, the, the three or four 
months of poorer weather and it is a hugely neglected area but a really really important one it's actually on golf courses and sports stuff it's it's one of the most important areas they find that by using an autumn food and using a you know a sort of a three or four season nutrient uh, application they end up with better grass all year round so when those guys are doing it there's obviously something very very beneficial in it and something that us gardeners should take note of so that's a few essential points on maintaining a healthy lawn so as i said if you have a lawn and you don't have any major issues at the moment then it's critical that you use those three sort of maintenance things to make sure that we don't get trouble down the line and so just to recap on those we're looking to cut at the correct height we're aeration doing aeration and scarification um, at the correct times of the year and then we're feeding the lawn through spring summer and again in the autumn and as I said they're, they're the essentials if however we have got some lawn problems so if you have moss weeds patchy areas but your lawn is in you know fundamentally it's in a good condition then we'll need to do some form of treatment before continuing the single biggest issue in Ireland and the UK is moss obviously we're in a damp area particularly for the you know the winter and early part of the spring months we get a, a quite a bit of rain uh, and dampness is one of the big contributory factors to moss other contributing factors are uh, poor draining soils areas that are sheltered by trees or hedges so if you're not getting much sunlight into an area acidic soils again can cause moss so there's quite a few reasons for it but I suppose the the overriding thing is that we get a lot of damp here which contributes to it now there's a number of approaches and treatments that we can use if we have uh, moss and it just depends on kind of the, the level of the level of infest, infestation uh, will determine the type of treatment that we use over the last probably four or five years, six years maybe, there's um, a lot of a really, really good quality product that has come through. Essentially, it's a bacteria product. So it's um, it's a lawn food with bacteria added. Um, and it's good bacteria. And essentially what that does is it eats away at the moss and then the fertilizer strengthens the grass. Now these products have proven to be extremely uh, effective. Really, really good. Most of them are organic of nature and they're environmentally friendly so you know a great addition to the to the fight against against moss as such a few things to mention here before you start with these i suppose little cautions maybe um if you're starting and you have less than 30 percent moss in your lawn then these are a very very good option but if you're starting with moss higher than 30 percent so you've a quite a strong covering of moss then it really is important to do some other method first because basically at 30% the bacteria just can't cope with that level of infestation. So as I say, if it's if it's above that, then we need to look at another approach first maybe. So whether that's scarification or some other form of treatment first and then come back to this as your sort of maintenance treatment. Secondly, the, the soil temperature needs to be above 10 degrees generally for this to work. Um, you apply it and unlike some other treatments where you, you see actively the moss turning in colour 
you don't notice it very much here but what happens is it kind of disappears over a period of a few weeks so quite slowly you, know, you may at the start think it's not working but over a period of three to four weeks that can completely disappear the second product type here for getting rid of moss is a product called feed weed and moss killer or triple action as it's sometimes called now that is exactly what it says um, it's an all-in-one product which has three functions feeds the lawn kills the, the weeds and kills the moss and it's a granular product uh, you can get it in many sizes very very good option if you have low levels of moss and weeds uh, with this with this option the moss goes black and dies um, but you do have to scarify it then afterwards to get rid of the dead moss so it's a really good option you're again you're probably not looking if if you have a really bad um, moss problem then it's probably not the best option for you but if you have again like I say low levels of moss and low levels of weed then it's a really really good option lastly then you can get uh, liquid iron um, liquid iron tonics and they're available under you know lots of different brand names etc and these are all based on iron sulfate now sulfate of iron iron sulfate was always used for killing moss on lawns essentially because it worked really fast now legislation has changed a little there and you're not actually allowed to use it as a moss killer anymore so there is some liquid kind of liquid versions available purpose uh, purpose made versions and they essentially do the same thing so you apply your liquid lawn tonic it has very good greening up effect so your lawn will look quite green afterwards but it also is highly effective at killing moss now with iron you will see the moss going black uh, very very quickly probably within certainly within seven or eight hours the, the moss in the lawn will gone, be gone quite black the next part then is that we actually need to scarify that because if you leave it there what happens is you actually get almost a thicker layer of moss growing underneath it so that's why these bacteria products have become so popular is that there is no raking out with them you you just apply it and essentially it eats away at the moss but with you know feed weed muscular or liquid iron tonic uh, both of those you will need to scarify because as i say you need to take away that dead moss the other downside of using iron products well continuously anyway it's okay it's okay as a as a singular treatment but the downside of those using them over a long term is that a good lawn will typically have a ph of six and a half to seven but if you continuously use iron it reduces the ph of your lawn and as we said earlier one of the reasons um, or one of the conditions that makes moss more prevalent is an acidic lawn so according as you use iron to treat it especially if you're doing it a lot and you're doing it over time it will drop the ph a little bit and essentially creates a conditions where moss can thrive so the more you use it the more you need to use it so it becomes a vicious cycle so very very good but two things that you do need to do is that you don't use it continuously and secondly that you do scarify out afterwards to take out the dead moss and the next thing uh, that we want to look at in lawns is um, weeds so this is a big issue as well I suppose in terms of problems it's not as problematic as moss is um, we tend to get a lot more moss but with weeds it's very very visible so moss by its nature is green in color um, 
can't always be seen, so it's less of an annoyance maybe than weeds. And there's lots of different weeds that we can get, so there could be there's 20 or 30 different types of lawn weeds that you can get. And the best ways of getting rid of these is we're looking for a selective lawn weed killer. Now, a selective lawn weed killer is essentially exactly what it says. It is selective, so it will kill all the weeds that are in the lawn, but it doesn't harm the lawn itself. And there's a few options in this again. So firstly, you can get a, a selective liquid lawn weed killer. The, the new formulations that are on the market today, generally speaking, have a combination of chemicals. What this gives you is it gives you a broad spectrum of weed control. So essentially the best ones, they absolutely take out all lawn weeds. As I said, they're available in a ready to use format. And this is kind of for spot treatment. So if you have a little small area or you have a, a lawn with very, very little weed trouble in it, except an occasional weed here and there, well then you're spot treating with a trigger sprayer. If, if it's a case that you have a widespread problem, um, you might well need to use a complete spray of the lawn with the concentrated version. And then when the weeds become under control, you can revert back to just spot treating the, the individual weed that's giving you the trouble. The concentrated format then, as I said, that's for larger areas or lawns that have a bad infestation of, of weeds. And essentially this is mixed and apply through either a sprayer or in some cases a watering can. Now, if you're if you're using that, just make sure that your sprayer or your your watering can are completely free of any previous chemical residues. So if you've been using that to kill weeds in any other area, just make sure that it's completely free before you go out onto your lawn because there has been cases where people forget what they had in it last, just go ahead and get their, their lawn treatment and then go out onto the lawn and remember that they had some other weed killer in it prior to that and they leave a big streak across their lawn. So just be very, very careful. You're looking for a clean uh, sprayer with no residues or previous residues. Now, when you apply these weed killers, what happens and people get a lot of, uh, garden centers get a lot of call on this, a f you know, a few days, six, seven days after they apply it, um, the weeds start to look actually bigger, slightly distorted. And people ring and say, the weeds are actually growing faster now that I've sprayed that. And that is technically true because the way the weed killer works is that it actually makes the weed grow faster for a time, um, a small length of time for about a week, and then essentially they die back. So for the first week, you can see the weeds as I say, quite a bit taller than the lawn and a little bit distorted looking and then they will die back. Now, when you do use this method, you generally speaking, you, you only have to use it occasionally. So it's not an ongoing treatment. Certainly don't use it unless you have to. Uh, a little bit like an antibiotic, you're using it to cure a problem that's there on a given time, but then going forward then you're looking to maintain a healthy lawn so that it doesn't allow the weeds in. That's the liquid, the liquid selective lawn weed killer, and it's a very, very good option. Probably the best option if you have a heavy infestation of weeds. The second product type within this again is the feed weed muscular, which we spoke about previously. So we said already it does the triple action. It feeds, it weeds, or kills the weeds, and it kills the moss. So we've used it on the moss part, but we can also use it here. Now, as I said, on the, on the moss section, you're only really using this if you don't have a really heavy infestation. If it is a heavy infestation, 
then you're probably better looking at the at the liquid option first. So that's how we get rid of weeds, uh, two formats there. But again, once you get the problem under control, then it's a matter of maintaining your lawn in a proper way to allow that the, the weeds don't come back in. The third issue then is patches on lawns. And generally speaking, the patches come for different reasons. They can be areas of heavy traffic in the garden. Uh, you can have pests that cause it occasionally. Um, there can be patches after you you know, kill your moss or you kill your weeds. Um, you can have patches there, particularly if you had a bad infestation of both of those. And you have brown patches and things like that. So what we're looking to do here is we're looking to get a repair pack. Um, we're looking to get something that we can reseed or overseed over that area and in order to thicken it out and fill it out again. And what we're doing is we're trying to fill in all these gaps so that we can, you know, we're blocking out weeds and moss. Um, the way we do it is we get um, whatever area it is, we slightly till it and we can scratch the surface with a, with a heavy rake or we can actually get in and, and give it a little bit of a dig on the top. And we're creating a tilled surface and then we're sowing that seed, watering it and we're keeping traffic and mowing and all that off it for a period of time. So that'll germinate in, in, at certain times of the year in pr probably seven days will green up quite quickly but we won't cut that straight away we might even maybe miss two cuts on it or possibly even three cuts on it allow it to allow it to germinate allow the roots to take hold first and then we'll mow it and we'll we'll treat it as we go along uh, you know with the lawn in order for those areas to thicken out so that's the common lawn issues and the treatments for these it's important as i say that we have a healthy lawn um, healthy lawn healthy roots generally means less problems anyway but obviously it looks better then as well so those maintenance measures that we mentioned at the start they're hugely important if you have a good quality lawn uh, to keep those up over time the final part i want to talk about is moss and weeds generally um, well particularly moss they're they're a symptom of probably a, a deeper underlying problem so if you have chronically wet or waterlogged soils and sometimes the measures that we've talked about, the scarification, the aeration, those things are just not improving the issue. Uh, then the problem could be a lot deeper lying than that. Now, this can be quite common in housing estates, but it can happen in any lawn situation. Um, there are a number of reasons for it. So if you think about it, when, as I said, particularly in housing estates, but again, it can happen anywhere. If you're have a row of houses and then maybe backing onto a row of houses and those houses are, are getting to the stage where they're being finished off if you can imagine at the back you have uh, storm water leaving each house you have house water and and uh, water going to the, the septic tanks and there's a lot of pipe work a lot of deep digging a lot of heavy machinery all in that area at the back of the house um, digging pipes or digging digging ground for pipes and just a lot of compaction in that area and obviously then at the end that gets tidied up but the subsoils and the topsoils that exist in all soils don't necessarily get put back the same way and it can be almost impossible to do it at times so what you can end up with is you can end up with a big mix of topsoil and subsoil 
and sometimes even building debris all mixed up and then at the end they get covered over with topsoil so you can end up with structurally a very very poor soil um, if you've just moved into your house and you you know you realize that this lawn is extremely wet here it's extremely waterlogged we have water sitting on it then if you've just moved in it may be possible to go talk to the builder now i'm not sure of property laws or any of that type of thing but it might may be possible at this stage to go talk to the builder and say listen this lawn looks extremely wet with water lying on it we've only just moved in what can we do here um, and I, as I say, I don't know the ins and outs of it. Uh, you might have some, some possibility to get something done before you realise you have a long problem over a long period of time with no comeback. But because of all this heavy work, um, generally speaking, in, in around the backs of houses, it can happen at the front as well, but that heavy work, heavy machinery, you end up with a poor structure and a poor draining structure. And it can be quite difficult to get this sorted. Now realistically if if you don't have any luck with your builder then you're looking at getting some remedial work done uh, or some groundwork done and that means drainage so we're talking about getting in and doing quite a bit of digging again um, it may be a case that some of the garden needs to be dug out and replaced with proper soil in a proper way so we're looking to mimic the natural subsoil and topsoil layers that are that exist in soil automatically and uh, because if we don't have that then we don't have a proper functioning soil base and really it doesn't matter if it's that bad it doesn't matter what kind of treatments we do we will never be able to get you know the lawn to to, to be healthy to sustain itself um, because it's constantly if you can imagine it's constantly sitting in in damp heavy uh, cold soils so lawn just doesn't grow well in those con conditions now as i say that can be a little bit daunting but if you think about it you're going to be in a house for a long period of time and um, it really is worth the investment worth the short-term pain for the long-term gain of you know getting in and getting that remedial work done a final option if you're in a situation like this now it is frowned upon by gardeners to be honest with you uh, but it is a good option for some people um, it certainly will look well and that option is artificial grass so i know some of you now are probably screaming at us at the at the device that you're listening on and saying no 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 we can't go that route but it's a very very good option for some people so you would have to dig out the, the some of the wet soil replace it with hardcore and then you're covering it with artificial grass and this will make the the area green all year round it'll make it look highly attractive and it doesn't mean that we can't garden out there. What it what it does is it basically gives you that solid, you know, that solid lawn base that, as I say, looks well all year round, has good colour. Uh, and then what we can do is we can add containers, raised bed, and we can do we can do gardening in another way there. But it just takes out that um, damp, heavy, you know, ground that we just can't grow either soil or plants or shrubs in. So it, that's an option maintenance then as well so people you know, people like that sometimes but uh, as I say some people don't like it but it can be a good option for, for other people so that's basically it we've um, had a look at the essential lawn maintenance tips and tricks that we we need to follow to have a healthy lawn and um, then we went through a 
couple of the various treatments that we would use if we had some lawn issues. And then we finished with how we would tackle remedying um, a chronically wet or waterlogged lawn. So that's it. Uh, all that's left to do now is go play a game of football in your lawn with the kids or chase the dog or have a cup of tea in the lawn, whatever it is that you do in your lawn. Whether it's second rate, as we found out in the you know, the step map at the, at the start, or it's a bowling green quality, it doesn't really matter. It's your space. Go and enjoy it. That's it for this week's episode. You can find us on all the social channels, so Facebook, which is John Jones at Master My Garden, and Instagram at Master My Garden. If there's anything you'd like to me, me to cover in future episodes, just let me know. And that's it. Until the next time, happy garden. Mm-hmm.